Back here on Grant and Danny, guys out today, Scott Jackson, Chris Naki with you. And our pleasure right now to bring in Bill Moss, who joins us on the BetQL Guest Hotline. Sports bettings come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking out BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. Bill, thanks for joining us this afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, you got yourselves a new OC, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it was a wild week uh, at the end of this week. How quickly uh, things developed here. You know, there was a obviously to start the week, it looked like it was going to be a Baltimore Washington battle, but never materialized as the Ravens got Todd Munkin and uh, the Commanders were able to close the deal on Eric Bieniemy. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Eric Bieniemy? You know, the, what his role was in Kansas City. I know there's a lot of debate on how much play calling there was, this, that, and the other and how that may have impacted his opportunities to get head coaching jobs. But how did you see Eric Bieniemy as part of this, this chief staff and how, where his importance was for Andy Reid? You know, I, I think it's really unfortunate. Um, look, I mean, if you're going to talk about Andy Reid's offensive coordinators over the years who has the question mark over their head, are they or are they not calling plays? Well, hell, you can go all the way back to Philadelphia with – Brad Childress, Marty Morningwig, uh, you, you know, here in Kansas City. It was um, uh, Doug was there, right? And he, yeah, he took the head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, you can you can go through a litany of coaches. Uh, N- Matt Nagy, mm-hmm. uh, right, uh, that had that title, and it was always a question mark of who's calling the plays here. Um, and so I don't know why that – that would ever hold up anything to do with Eric Bieniemy. I don't think, in my opinion, that it's right. I mean, I just, I just don't. And so for that to be a narrative to even consider that around him, um, I, I just think it's wrong. But for him, this is a great move because if, in fact, he believes that that is what's holding him up, well, this is going to be his show now. It's all going to be on him. What what do you make? You've been around the game forever. What what do you make of the uh, Lashawn McCoy comments prior to being me being hired? Where uh, Lashawn obviously he'd had a cup of coffee with Kansas City at the end of his career, at the end of a very good career, but mm-hmm. he come out and talked about the fact that Eric was a that Bieniemy was a hard ass and you know was uh, you know tough on players. What do you, what do you make of all that? That's that's who Eric is, and it's very true. I mean, he, he's, he's an old school guy. He was brought up in football that way. Um, you know, and that's, that's how he was taught and that's, that's how he coaches. So, yeah, I mean, if you need to be handed a, a present every day, that's, that's not the guy you, you, you want with you. Um, but he's a damn good coach and he pushes guys and he gets the most out of them. Sometimes, you know, his yelling goes a little too far and becomes offensive, and, and that's where um, guys have had problems with him. But I, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody that's gone through any sports at any level that hasn't had a coach like that. Yep. And nine times out of ten, you, you come out better for it. Even though you don't like it during that time, it works. Yeah, we're talking to uh, Bill Moss with us, uh, former Kansas City Chief uh, here with us on the – Grant and Danny Show, minus Grant and Danny today. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki here on 106.7 The Fan. Yeah, and I think you're, you know, you you nailed it with if he comes here, you know, he's going to have control of everything. You know, he's going to be the play caller, obviously, and, and maybe even bring some staff with him. 
that this is a, this is a gutsy move on his part. If, but if it's what he thinks he needs to do, then you know it obviously uh, takes away all those questions, right, uh, about those things. But how, how do you wait, see? Wait, him? wait, wait. Are you, do you mean you mean pushing all the chips into the middle of the pot and going to a team where not quite sure what's going to happen with the owner? Yeah. Not sure who the <laughs> not 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 sure who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. Not, yeah. not sure. Yeah. Not sure, sure if it's going to be one one and done. Right. right. That's pushing all the chips in the middle. No You're doubt. right about a gutsy move. Yeah, um, but, time. you know, you have to have sometimes that kind of belief in yourself to do those things. So he obviously feels that way, and uh, I, I hope it works out for him. At, at, for Kansas City, uh, you know, do, do you feel like they were they were they fighting to keep him there? Would they have liked to keep him there? Do you think Andy Reid understands that, that this is something that, that Eric, you know, felt like he needed to do and he was supportive of it? Yeah, you know, I, I think both. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, uh, Andy was very supportive of Eric. He really believes he deserves a shot and an opportunity. Um, just giving his longevity around a successful organization, right? I mean, there's I can name probably 40 head coaches that have gotten jobs that haven't been an offensive coordinator right. or a defensive coordinator. Okay. They've just been around good winning systems, and they know how things work, right? So for him to not get that uh, chance as long as he's had the opportunity and as many interviews as he's gone through, um, to me, that's a head scratcher. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it really is. Um, you, you, look, I'm in real estate, and if something's on the market for a long period of time in commercial real estate, right, uh, people kind of raise an eyebrow. Why, why, is, why is this out there so long? And, uh, you know, you can apply the same to that. It's, you know, you got to be the face of the organization. Yeah, that's a good analogy. And, I, and I, a question along the same vein, Bill, is, you know, you, you that game wasn't over for five minutes when Andy Reid had a microphone in, stuck in front of him and he started talking about Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. So, yeah. So the motivation for that was was simply this guy, it's time. This guy need, deserves you know, deserves something better than what I'm giving him right now. You know, you know, Biden's over in Ukraine right now, (laughs) right? Yeah, he is. (laughs) Yeah, he just popped up there. You know, he's got to talk. Look, Matt Nagy was kind of brought back there, too, and he has a really good relationship with with Patrick. Um, He had a really good relationship with Patrick before he left to go to Chicago. Um, their families are close. Uh, they communicate well together. They work well together. They motivate each other. The communication levels there, those things are really good, right? So you, you, you have to put yourself in a situation where your superstar quarterback is, is in a good situation. He's comfortable and he's happy all the time. So, that, you know, those things, you know, don't surprise me if those comments were made. Yeah, and you look at the adjustments. Obviously, the Chiefs—they really went to school in that second half on the on the Eagles. I mean, not only were they scoring in the red zone, they had guys wide open. And yeah. uh, you know, we've heard the stories. Obviously, that you know, Eric Bieniemy picked up some stuff from the Jaguars uh, game against the Eagles, and they, they kind of saved it for the right opportunity in that game. But I mean, you know, whether or not he is the play caller, obviously, he had some some big say into how this offense was going to attack defenses weekly, right? Yeah, and, you know, he's been around a lot of different offenses, a lot of different approaches, a lot of different quarterbacks. 
um, how to work and manage those quarterbacks and how to maximize their strengths, right? He, you know, Alex Smith was completely different than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And, and, but, and Eric's been around a bunch of guys. So he's got that in his vault, that knowledge of what to do, how to use things, when to bring things back up, and, and, and how to implement them. And, and I think he'll, he's going to fare well. I mean, I think Washington has a lot. You, you know what? The great thing about Washington, the Redskins finish playing really good team football, you know? They complementary football. Um, the defense is great. They, they, they found ways to move the ball and operate um, and, and win games. When, when everybody in Washington thought, how did these guys have a chance? Or anyone around the league thought, how do they have a chance? Everything that's going on around the organization. And these guys came out and just battled week in and week out. And, and that's, that's a good sign. And, you know, you get some pieces in place and good things can happen. Uh, the Chiefs, I mean, now that you did it again, I mean, the expectation is they'll do it every year, right? I mean, <laughs> the bare minimum, you're in the championship game every season. Uh, you know, I know they have some free agents coming up, but, I mean, nothing it, it, nothing seems to matter. I mean, to get rid of three kill, make that trade, you know, at the time mm-hmm. people are like, ooh, that's kind of risky. And then, you know, again, uh, back in the championship game, you know, win another this time win another Super Bowl without him. I mean, is this going to be kind of the standard now for Pat Mahomes' career? I mean, kind of like Brady, I guess, had to deal with – uh, when he was with Belichick and whenever he was in the field, that it should be a Super Bowl or bust kind of season? Yeah, it's it's got that feeling. And it also has the same feeling that the organization is, is put itself in a position to be, you know, class, class of the league. And in saying that, it's not because they won a couple of Super Bowls. It's everything that went into it. It's from ownership down to front office with Mark Donovan and Andy Reid and Brett Veach and, and their scouting staff and, how they manage the cap and how they how they hit home runs when they needed to hit home runs, you know they lost in t- to Tampa Bay to the Bucks in the Super Bowl because their offensive line wasn't up to par. In one off season, they they corrected it and became one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. Um, last year, the secondary was terrible. They overhauled the secondary, and and they hit on a bunch of draft choices when all these rookies played and they were all successful. That's that's near impossible to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, here they're going into this year's draft and they've got 11 draft picks because of the Tyreek Hill deal. Uh, so yeah. uh, they, they've, they've managed to put themselves in a situation and they're still their salary cap for them is still in a great position. They've got the opportunity to go out and um, sign Orlando Brown and sign Chris Jones and not blow the salary cap up because their quarterback has a cat friendly structured deal. Um so yeah, it's everything's in place for the, for continued success. It's not a they didn't sell out to to be the you know the L.A. Rams. You know, ten or twelve years ago, you know NFL fans are watching Brady versus Manning and thinking, "Gosh, this will never happen again." And now, all of a sudden, with what's going on in Cincinnati and you guys, and Cincinnati seems to me has sort of replaced. Uh, the Raiders and the Broncos in terms mm-hmm. of your uh, being on the hit list there in uh, yeah. Kansas City. It's kind of an interesting rivalry, well, rivalry such as it is. It's developed into something kind of special. Well, yeah, I, well, I think, you know, the, the AFC is is really kind of something special with, you know, just the quarterback play of, look, in Baltimore, right, in, in Buffalo, 
uh, Herbert out with the Chargers, you know, up in, uh, with the Bengals and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the AFC is just stockpiled with quarterbacks. You know, it's like the 80s when it was Kelly, Marino, uh, and you know, it's just, there, it, it's just, it's just happened again. So, you know, the AFC is, is going to be something to watch for next 10 years. I'd imagine with these guys at the helm, if everybody stays healthy. All right. Hey, Bill, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us and enjoy uh, the rest of what is left of president's day, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you too, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, All right, thanks a lot. Thanks. Bill Moss, join us via the Becky L guest hotline, former Kansas city chief. And uh, you know, he brings up um, some interesting points, obviously, about uh, the AFC right now, like kind of what it reminds you of with the quarterbacks. But, I mean, they have 11 draft picks. Do they really? That's crazy. That's the rich getting richer. I know. I mean, Where are they going to put them all, though, Scott? Right. Well, I mean, they'll just replace some of the guys, right, because they have some receivers we were talking they, about earlier. And, and some of the guys that we had, a, somebody tweeted us about, about all the potential guys coming here. Yeah. So they have some free agents they're going to have to uh, – uh, yeah. Brown, for one, is yeah. a free agent in March. and So, yeah, you've got to fill some spots. But 11 is a lot of picks. It is. You know, the 49ers, even though they don't have a first-rounder, you know, I think it's still part of the Lance deal. Where they got a bunch of compensatories in the third, uh, you know, in part because of all their coaches that have been picked, uh, mm-hmm. you know, through that new program in the mm-hmm. NFL because they've had minority coaches that have gotten head coaching jobs. So they get these compensatory picks. So um, And in the front office as well. I mean, so they've got all these picks that are, you know, se- you know, second, third day uh, picks, but still, so they're There's, not totally bare. Yeah. And, and that's a really yeah. good roster, too, already. And they obviously are losing, you know, Jimmy G's money off of the cap. And they'll, they'll have money. And obviously, it's one of those places where people are going to go play there. Yeah, no question. So yep. even some of the rich continue to be rich on both sides. Of well, this and, pu- and again, one of the things that they have in common with Kansas City, just really well-run organizations. Yeah, and like and, when you look at it, too, I mean, again, John Lynch left TV for this. Like, yeah. but we didn't know if he was going to be any good at it. Yeah. You just, you just never know, and he has been very solid at oh, it. Oh, my God. And they w- look, I thought they were kind of crazy when they went all in on McCaffrey this year. But, man, I mean, I knew he'd fit in with him, but I just thought, well, with their quarterback situation, they're not going to go anywhere. Let me get the championship game, granted – Quarterback got knocked out in the championship game, so who knows how that game would have played differently. But mm-hmm. it, it's you know they're in an interesting spot because they're going to have two young quarterbacks on rookie contracts right next year, and if if Purdy does you know if he's able to come back from the injury and plays anywhere close to what he did before, they may trade Lance after all that, which would be nuts to think about. I mean, something's got to give, right? right. Yeah, uh, and I I don't know that you can expect that they made the game you know and I, I, no disrespect intended for. Mm-hmm. For Brock Purdy, the last guy picked, you right. know, in the draft. Mr. But, Irrelevant. But they made the game so simple for him. They did. In watching that play. And yeah. and he still had to step up and do it. Still I'm, made throws. Yeah. Right? I'm respectful of that. No doubt. I mean, he he did he still made a lot of big time plays and you just it's a shame we didn't get to see a good championship game. So I think it would have been interesting had he been able to play right. uh through and, that happened fast. I mean, it really did happen fast and it was just snowballing. I mean that game just snowballed on them with yeah. All kinds of unfortunate circumstances. And then when he had to come back in, he clearly couldn't throw the ball. No. <laughs> so they're just trying to run all these gadget plays. I mean, at one point it looked like Debo Samuel just wanted to run to the locker room. I mean, he was just getting like treated like a tackling dummy. He's trying to run all over the field and he's got nowhere to go. I mean, the Eagles are just sharks that are like chum in the water. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's tough to watch that. At it that was point. tough. Yeah. Absolutely tough to watch. All right. A um, couple interesting things in the NFL yesterday, including a former Washington Redskin uh, being added to a coaching staff. We'll talk about that. Plus the latest on the commander's uh, 
ownership situation. There's apparently been some tours given out here recently. We'll talk about that as well. It's uh, Grant and Danny minus Grant and Danny today. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. All right, back here on Grant and Danny, minus Grant and Danner today. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Check us out there. D'Angelo Hall, Chris, is getting into the coaching ranks. Good D- for him. D. Hall's joining the Carolina Panthers staff. Of course, a three-time Pro Bowler, was here with the uh, Washington Redskins for many years, uh, did radio here for a couple seasons as well. Went to NFL Network last year as a full-time analyst. And said he'd been thinking about coaching since he retired five years ago, and now he is going to join uh, Frank Reich's staff in Carolina. Um, you know, listening to him talk, him talk seems, certainly seems like a really knowledgeable cat. You know, guy knows what he's talking about, and uh, uh, I wish him well. I, I think you need more young, like just off the f- younger, just off the field coaches. You know what I mean? Like the, this year, the fact that uh, you know Ryan Kerrigan joined uh, the commander staff, I thought was cool and was helpful. Uh, you see it obviously, you know, more and more. With it, and I understand the money's so great, and so some of the guys they don't want to mess with it. Like they've made enough money, they don't need to mess with that kind of a grind. Yeah, but when it's too soon, like when Kerrigan retires and then immediately is on staff, it almost feels like a professor emeritus thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas it, it sounds like D Hall had time to step away from the game, and you know, decide what he wanted to do and if he wanted to stick with the game. So, uh, yeah, good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, you got to love it because you're not – I mean, assistant, assistant DB's coach is not knocking it out of the park in terms of salary. And you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. Right, it's a lot yeah. of hours. It's a grind for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not – it's certainly not going to be the money you left when you, when you stopped playing. So, you know, good for him if he uh, – you know, he, he could certainly – he could teach some guys some things, that's for sure. I mean, he was a hell of a ball hawk when he was here. I mean – Remember the Jake the um, oh, Jay Cutler game up the, in Chicago? Three picks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He kept throwing it to him. Yeah, but he was that way. He was a great college football player yeah, at Virginia Tech. Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, he had, his, he had a career. I mean, he had a heck of a career. Yeah, no doubt. So that was interesting. I saw that yesterday. I uh, wanted to mention that before we get in too far down the line here today. So good for D. Hall. Um, over uh, also over the weekend, through all this um, Eric B. Enemy stuff, there has been some slight trickling out, slow drip, if you will, of ownership news uh, with the Commanders, and on the on the front that more and more people apparently are getting tours of the facilities. It's not just. I think originally we heard you know a couple people had toured the facility, including um, you know uh, Harris, you know Josh Harris had mm-hmm. as well. I see Nikki Javala wrote about that today, and uh, Darren Haynes had written about or had uh, tweeted this out and had a report on it on WSA Nine that there's another uh, bidding tour for potential new owners, and according to a source, he's told there have been at least four bids submitted already to the team uh, on the franchise, which is obviously more than we heard last week. Yeah, and I guess is there a deadline on bids? You know. I've heard different things about that, but yeah, I do believe there is a deadline. But then I've also heard no, that's like the first round bids. Like you didn't have to be in the first round bids, right? Yeah, or whatever that whole thing was. But yeah, eventually there it does have to be a deadline. Obviously. I mean, I would wonder if there are people out there that are waiting for the market to be set, you know, and and then they'll jump in. 
And now, you don't want to bid against yourself. Right. And you also, uh, you know, there aren't that many people out there who have, have this kind of cash. I mean, you put together right. a syndicate, you know, you put together a, you know, a, a group of some kind, you know. And, exactly. Uh, it's always OPM, right? You always want to want to use as much as other people's money as you possibly can. Yeah. And I, you're going to have to have not only the money to buy the team, but probably at least a billion, maybe more, for a stadium. Well, that's interesting, right? Because that's the next step. That that right? That's yeah. that's the first deal you've got to get done, in all likelihood, assuming that your your coaching staff, you know, remains and that that's the way you want to want to play it. But right. the, the stadium deal has to be addressed, um, and addressed soon, uh, and because that has been a a debacle. There's a, that's the reason why a lot of people just have tuned out. Not just the mediocrity on the field, but it's just a, it's a lousy place to go see a game. Yeah, and and that's why the stuff that has been speculated about Jeff Bezos is interesting. That okay, people agree that he wants to get into NFL ownership. Okay, there's one team for sale. He happens to have the, a lot of businesses right here in town. They right? don't, and there aren't that many that come available. Right, right. There's not many that come available. Uh, during Super Bowl, we kind of quietly, this was interesting because I think there was some debate about, well, would really the owners like him because he's so super rich? Would it make them feel inadequate, blah, blah, blah? Well, you know, Bob Kraft is like, hey, this guy would be a great owner. And, I mean, that's a good that's a good ally to have mm-hmm. among the uh, current owners, right? I mean, besides, him and Jerry Jones kind of run the league. <laughs> they kind of they kind of run the show, uh, Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones, in terms of influence. So pretty important uh, ally there. But there is the other option for for Jeff Bezos, which is to wait out the the Seattle situation, where they already have a stadium. Yeah, they already I, have some things checked off the list. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is that the, yeah, they already have a stadium, but you could come in here and have a, a an immediate impact on the design, oh, you know, the placement, everything about it. You know, you're not inheriting something. I, I think that would be far more exciting from a from an ownership ownership perspective. He's got more money than he. You know, I mean, the money's the the least of all issues. I just, you know, these things don't become available very often, and and, and when they do, a lot of times there's so much involved in terms of the sale. You think, look at what, how long the Denver thing took to yes to happen and to iron out. Yeah, that's it, that's a that's a thing that makes you a little nervous, right? I mean, because and, and remember how long of a excruciating process because there was a problem initially here with the Kent Cook situation, mm-hmm. remember? Was state uh, issues. Yeah, yeah there was yeah. the state issues. Then you had, originally, remember, Dan Snyder was part of a group that, the, in the the first guy, um, Milstein, couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't come close to the money. Didn't really have the money in the end. Yeah. And so then he took over that bid and was the, the guy up front with it. And, they, and it, it got slow to the point where it wasn't until before the 99 season. Remember, there were some reports that he didn't like the trade they made for Brad Johnson and wanted to veto it. But it was too far down the road at that point. Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't do it, luckily, because he had a great, had a great year. year. And yeah. he was really good. Now, of course, the next year, they made his life uncomfortable by bringing Jerk George in here. Um, you know, part of the crazy offseason where they got all the Started to collect players. the baseball cards, basically. Yes. The, right. the trading cards. Right, right. All my favorite players as a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's put them all here. This That team needed a slight tweak on defense. Yeah. And a couple other things. And they went you know, just Berserk. nuts, absolutely nuts, and it and obviously blew up on him, and ended up costing Norv his job later in that year. But what, what a crazy situation that whole thing was! It happened. It happened. It didn't happen. It was real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there is um, this is this like a lot of lot of I would say nerves, unsettled feelings until 
you know, even though all signs point to it going this way until it's actually done, I don't know about you, but I feel like there's that, that a lot of people are holding their breath, right, until it actually happens and they can believe it and then trust it that it is going to go through. Well, I think that's – we've all got PTSD. Right. You know, and right, that, right. so a lot of people are just like, uh, you know what, I'm just – I'm going to close my eyes. You just tell me to wake up when this – when the shooting's over, you yeah. know, when we can, uh, when I, when it's safe to go outside again. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like when we can, we can start believing again that uh, something good might be coming on here. But yeah, I, I just um, I hope it speeds up. Certainly would be nice if they could knock it out by the end of the month of uh, that last that owners meeting coming up in March. Because if it doesn't, it drags out longer. I do think it will impact the offseason. And I know they keep saying all the right things. Oh, this business as usual. But you really can't say that. Because it's not. I mean, you know, I guess business as usual lately hasn't been a whole lot of spending anyway, so maybe you can't say Yet, yet, I mean, we had this discussion, you know, a few segments ago. I mean, I don't think that Snyder was overly involved at all in the Biennemi signing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that the caps, your capologists are your capologists. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a a dedicated football staff deciding as to who to, uh, who to target um you know in terms of free agents yeah and uh so maybe it maybe it doesn't mean quite as much as you as you think it means at least on the free agency front now ultimately you know you want to get uh, you know you want to get somebody in place both for the for the stadium for the nfl draft which is on right. the other side of you know the free agency opening up stuff like that so well and then let's be i mean the money makes mostly you know with these free agent deals money is going to be the thing that matters you know so if you don't have that upfront cash, you're not gonna you're not gonna be in the bidding on a lot of these things. That's why it is kind of convenient convenient that it works out this way. You know, this year with the with the quarterback class of you know whoever's available and trades and all that stuff really don't make sense. I mean, so it's easy to say no, 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 we're we're comfortable with going with our own guy, but it's also part of the circumstance that's out there too. Yeah, because it's not a year. I mean, even if you loved Aaron Rodgers and thought you could get him, I mean, does it make any sense with the cap hit you would take? No, I mean, no. No, and how much longer is he going to play? And he's apparently a bit of a – he's a bit much. I don't know if you, you know notice what? this. He's a bit much. <laughs> he is a high-maintenance dude. <laughs> Could you imagine coaching him? I mean, he's, he's the he's he's the smartest guy in every room he walks in. Yes. Right. And and I, I also don't think that he's he's great for your locker room. And I, I, I don't know him at all, right. obviously. Yeah. But, but, you know, the fact of the matter is he's, he's just sort of appears to be the ultimate me guy. Right, right, right. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, like this year, right, they gave him all the money, right, this last offseason. Gave him all the money. Um, he knew that, obviously, Adams was going to be gone. You got all these new players coming in, new relationships, you know, chemistry issues. Still doesn't move him to do any part of the offseason. Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't move him at all to change his process. And now if you're one of these teams like the Jets or, you know, the Raiders or whoever, I mean, I, I'd almost like, Say okay, we might be interested in trading for him, but I gotta get a promise from this guy. That he's gonna show up to these things because we're not gonna just, you know meet each other in August or in uh, July rather, and that's gonna be that's not gonna be good for us. You, you actually yeah, have to be a participant in the offseason. Yeah, but some of the things that you're talking about, like like you know, there's certain quarterbacks who are always notorious for for bringing in guys yeah. to their to their hometown, sure. right, and right. you know what, we're gonna we're gonna run hills, we're gonna throw you know right. we're gonna throw passes for two or three hours a day on our own. You can't. Under the CBA, you can't compel him to do a lot of what he should probably be right. doing himself. Right. I guess you just get to check his mind. Say, hey, would you be interested in doing these things? We kind of think this is important for our quarterback. Yeah, but he to actually he, know our guys. You know what? He's 
He's never done that. No. At least to my to my knowledge, he's never. Oh, he's, he's in a dark room instead. Yeah. Yeah, evidently. Whatever that is. The whole dark room thing is a little strange. But, yeah, he's he's different. I mean, he's otherworldly talented. His no ability doubt. to spin no. it is is crazy no you're right i mean there, there's no doubt about that he's got he's got some of that going on for him for sure all right there's some weird ideas with how to fix college football you know college football is really slow uh you know what it's it's four hours of and, and the nfl has it so down pat right three hour window right you know you can still go out and do stuff sure college football is a forever proposition it is and they've got some ideas on how to speed it up but I'm not sure any of it makes a whole lot of sense. I'll talk to you about it coming up um, here on the other side. It is uh, Grant and Danny today, minus Grant and minus Danny. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki here with you. Well, Ryan Clary is here, so it's not completely without the first-teamers. Uh, here. Couldn't on, do without him. Exactly. Here on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. All right, Grant and Danny. Uh, Grant and Danny out today. Scott Jackson, uh, Chris Naki here with you on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. College football executives are considering changes to shorten games. College football games are a long, long day. I mean, it is a serious commitment. When you, If you go to games, you add in the tailgating, uh, the game itself, and uh, getting out of the game, I mean, your, your whole day is done. You just, you just, that's all you're doing that well, day. Uh, and I, if I'm going to eliminate anything before we even get to the possibilities yep. i'm not going to eliminate the tailgate <laughs> right that's the most fun part of the day absolutely regardless of what happens nice september day yeah early october no doubt tailgate so they have um talked about some different things about shortening games up in college football one so the average college football game for those that don't know has hit in the height and this was well it's 2020 it was also this long they're three hours and 21 minutes on average of an FBS game. Uh, I'm going to call BS. You think it's longer? Uh, way longer. I, I think it's interesting. Way it must longer. count only the time, not counting the commercials. Uh, I'm right? I'm, I, I would put it closer to 345. Yeah. Well, they're saying it's 321. There must be some fast conference somewhere that we're missing. It, it, the other part is is that I think that you're talking about, to a degree, you might be yeah. talking about apples and oranges because sure. as the games grow in importance, Scott, yeah. you get all the sponsors, oh, you get yeah. all the commercials, you get all the... The elongated halftime, mm-hmm. you know, I three forty five is much more like it to me. Yeah, so they're saying they got four ideas to, to speed the game up. All right, um, that have been considered here: prohibiting consecutive timeouts for you know icing the kicker, which they've been doing that I think forever in the NFL, right? Like you can only call right. one time at a right. time. Um, no untimed down at the end of the first or third quarter. So you could before halftime, obviously before fourth quarter. So that I guess would just kick into the next quarter at that situation. Uh, which makes sense. Uh, the clock would run after first downs, except inside of two minutes of the half. That could potentially pick up some penalties. That's the biggest one right That's there a big one so right. far. Yeah. And the final one is clock runs on incompletions once the ball is spotted, once it's once they've spotted you the ball. That oh, could that also would pick, be different. That would also pick up some space. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, the last two would make a difference. The first three or so were just appeared to be cosmetic. You know what's fascinating is did no mention here of getting rid of um, – getting rid of like or shortening excuse me the half times how long are half times 20 minutes i think 20 plus minutes in some cases 22 minutes ish yeah the nfl of course is 12 minutes 
has been that way for a while. Of course, the Super Bowl, though, was like, what, 29 or whatever the heck it is. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. Uh, But I do find that interesting. There's no talk of that because, look, that's the band that's, um, you know, in some some colleges, you know, that's concession time that gets you to spend more money. Uh, (laughs) In some places, you can leave the stadium and come back in, uh, you know, all those kind of things. That's where a lot of commerce takes place, I would say. And then, of course, there's the there's the you know for ESPN, Fox, and those. It's the halftime show, yeah, which has a million commercials in it. Yeah, so yeah, and and I you know you're right. I mean, the college basketball halftime by comparison is 15 minutes, right? It's a lot quicker. And maybe you know, football requires so much. You know, football's a lot more rocket science than right basketball, right? So they need the extra. We say extra want you to five think minutes. It is. Yeah, they want you to think it is at least. Is there a difference between the length of a commercial in an in an NFL broadcast and a college football broadcast that's a good question I don't know that there is um but yeah I don't know I, I, I put a clock on, I put a timer on like, it. like I we're in the okay Maryland basketball is in the last year of a TV deal right, right. next year uh, the the whole league is with Fox and FS1 and right and Big Ten Network which of course is owned by Fox um and this is our last year of having ESPN games, of any games on ESPN. And I swear to you, when we do ESPN games, I think the commercials are thirty seconds longer than it might be. Than and and I, I should probably ask that question. But it, it and I I've noticed it on three or four different occasions where we've had an ESPN game, and I've never asked that question. Right? Why? Why, can't, why do we have that extra spot? Or on? or is it? Maybe it's just my perception. Maybe no, that's... you're probably right. You probably have a good feel for it. You've done enough games. You'd probably yeah, have a feel a for few. it. Yeah. Yeah, you've done a few. You'd probably have a feel for it. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, it might just be a, a network-to-network thing as well. But yeah, I, I look, I mean, how much time are they looking to shave off? I mean, if you're looking to shave off like 20 minutes off these games, I mean, get it down to like a three-hour. I mean, I would think well, you'd want NFL, to try to be close to three hours, right? You've got a model. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. The, the NFL, you couldn't be more popular than the NFL is, you know, and yeah. and the ratings be what they are. Uh I, I just think that there are a lot of people that could complain, and it also allows you to, to, to schedule easier, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the, uh, it, you know, you, it seems like every Saturday, if I tune into a game that I want to see, they'll say, "Well, that game, yeah, you get the the crawl. That game started on ESPN News, right, or on the app, you know, or whatever, you know, on the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. frustrating. So the NFL's average game uh, is about three hours and ten minutes right now. The game links of the NFL are obviously much more consistent than college. Uh, and part of the problem for college games, you know, there's a lot more plays. Mm-hmm. Like there's like the NFL, they say there's an average of 155 plays a game. College, you're looking at about 180. I mean, there's just more possessions and more. This is more, uh, which you know, again, more scoring, stop the clock, you know, TV the, timeout, all that stuff too. Is there more no huddle? There is a lot more no huddle. Yeah, yeah, and they just go to the line, right? But yeah. I mean, it's still the same play clock in between. They don't always go fast. They yeah. get to the line in a hurry, but then they still stare at the sideline for ten seconds. Yeah. So if if you have thirty extra plays, right? Yeah. In a college game, and fifteen of those are incomplete passes. <laughs> right. That there's right. your that's huge. That's huge because it's stopping the clock. That's yeah. why this idea of running it once you spot it after the incompletion is a good idea. So. College half times are again twenty minutes right now, NFL are twelve. Um, I also feel like I don't know how you feel now. The NFL has gotten really bad with this at times. The college replay system sometimes can be excruciatingly long as well, and it feels like they look at more stuff in college sometimes than they do in the NFL. I mean, it's it, it's insufferable in college hoops. 
So, yeah. and I agree, I agree with you. I and, yeah. and and there has to be sort of a uniform rule where you if you go over there and you get 30 seconds. 30 seconds. If you don't see anything that to change your mind from what was called get out yeah, of there. yeah, put the monitor yeah. down and get out of there. I I I suggested that to an official the other day as a matter of fact at, at one of the Maryland games and he said you know, really, a lot of times when we when we have the really long delays, it's because we're not getting the views we're asking for, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, all right, that that may be on one out of every five right, occasions. Right. I'm going to tell you, stick to the thirty seconds, you know. And exactly. So they shut it off, like you know, just yeah. slam shut on you at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, they say FBS games see about two point three replay stops per game. Um, a figure that continues to rise and has officials considering coaches' challenge system like they have in the NFL, something that seems likely in the future. Because yeah, they do get a lot of those in college. You go, oh, wait, 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 and then they, they hear something and they got to yeah. go over. Yeah. Now, the NFL is that expedited replay thing that doesn't you know, really impact time because it's quickly told to them, like, no, it's an incompletion or it's a right. fumble or whatever. Right. And then You don't even need to review it. Yeah, yeah you, you don't have to play review on. Yeah, play, play on. on. It's first down or whatever. Go for it uh, and keep moving. So, And it is interesting, this story that um, – was done by Sports Illustrated and SI.com, says television commercials don't impact game time significantly. From 2018 to 2020, games not televised finished only two minutes sooner than those televised. But they always have the they, – they still have what is called media timeouts. Media timeouts, time yeah. yeah. for the radio yeah. people, and, yep. you know, because there are all these schools, yep. you know, have radio still. Yep. But I At mean, least for now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I wonder about this sometimes, too. Yeah, uh, you never know. Anyway, who knows? Dinosaurs. But, exactly. But, yeah, I, I do think that uh, the obvious thing would be the halftime to speed that up. But, yeah, again, that's it's money, man. You're not messing with money. Uh, I, I got no problem with the, the increased number of plays. If, if the, and if, there, if that is actually the truth, statistically, right. that there that's are 30 extra plays, sure. then that's where you shave it off. Yeah. Is is because you can count on half of those being passes and sure. and a portion of those being incomplete. So then you just that then you address it. You place the ball down. Clock starts. All right, coming up in the next hour, we'll talk a little bit about the Caps Stadium Series game uh, against the Hurricanes. The loss where that leaves them as Mike Vogel joins us at five about uh, five thirty. Uh, coming up in the next hour. Uh, we'll also get back to some of the stuff off the commanders and the Eric B. Enemy hire as well. It's Grant and Danny minus Grant and Danny. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki with you here on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app.